You've reached Hoop and Holler, a Square One podcast. I had to go to CBA school, salary cap school, and tampering school. Can't say, hey, I want you to come to the Lakers, even though I'm going to be wink- winking like. <laughs> On basketball and other shenanigans. I mean, good for you. I mean, you probably won't get hired by, you know, ESPN anytime soon. Because <laughs> you don't have that clutch connection. I have a job to do. With Reagan Griffin Jr. Reagan, you're the best, I say, man. Hey, I say, hey, yo, Jermichael, he turns around. I'm like, you know Lakers coming for that ass this year, right? Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Eddie Sun. Some voters just like to be contrarian, you know, whether it's for clicks, whether it's for just because you they like to be contrarian. contrarian. Yes, you do. That's true. I feel like, like Eddie going to be the type to be like, case. MVP? James Harden. We're not against rap. We're not against rappers. But we are against those analytics. The analytics. And Julio Martinez. Braun just frustrates me sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. You've been hyping up this game. Obviously, it's a big game. He he looks juice for it. Bro, just score the ball. Everybody just thinks I'm a hater. That is blasphemous. And, and, and you know what's that reminiscent of? That was, you know, MVP Steph season. Oh, right? here we go. He was getting here we go. Game. All right, y'all. It's been a he great episode. Fourth quarter. But at, when it boils down, like, that's what we're here for is the yeah. basketball ball. Welcome back to another episode of Hoop and Holler. Yes, it is my voice that you're hearing. It is Saturday, but Eddie's out of town right now, so I'm going to ahead and use the microphone and resume my coup of what will be the takeover of Hoop and Holler. One day I will usurp you, Eddie, as the host and only host of this show. But until that day comes, let's go ahead and talk about a very interesting coaching decision that was made within the NBA. Matter of fact, how are y'all doing? That was rude. How are you guys doing today? Doing all right. Glad it's the weekend, long weekend. Uh, get away from school for a little bit because Zoom is really tiring me out. Ah, I see what, I see what you did there. You see that Zoom is really tiring me out? I mean, I, I, I don't get it. Play or something? I'm, I'm just thinking <laughs> yeah, on different levels. You know how Zoom has a 40-minute and then you time out of the Zoom. I'm thinking on different levels here. Oh, Eddie, how are okay. you doing? Okay. Yeah, you know, it's cool. I'm just light. thinking on, I'm thinking in 40. It's cool. It's cool. It's all right. Eddie, how are you that's doing? That's because you have that. Uh, that's because you have that like basic Zoom subscription. Flip it on me. Anyways, uh, yeah. So I just settled the back here in the Bay Area after driving back for about six hours or so. Was it that funny, Julio? Yeah. Jeez, man. <laughs> six hour drive. How is it up there? I know there was a lot, a lot of cool. fires and stuff going on, right? Yeah, it's all it's it's all out there now. I heard LA's about to be like 110 degrees over the weekend. Yeah, so we're I gonna be. To- yeah, we're gonna be one, one or two tomorrow, and then one oh seven, one oh eight on uh, Sunday. Yeah, I saw triple digits and decided to you know come to fair weather up here. Well, anyway, let's talk about basketball. Let's talk about basketball. The weather is nice in Brooklyn right now, as they just got their head coach Steve Nash. What were y'all initial thoughts on the hiring of Steve Nash? I have some of my own, but I want to hear from you guys first. So I, I thought it was super, super interesting, and. You know, there's a cliche that some of the best coaches obviously are, are point guards because they're the quote-unquote thinkers of the game. But, you know, w- with Steve Nash, I mean, his IQ, I mean, it, it goes unsaid. It's so high. And it's it's not only that, you know, he knows the game extremely well, and I think he can adapt a kind of coaching mentality, coaching scheme that fits today's game, but it's also that, that he's a great leader. And, and and obviously he carries that, you know, aura of, oh, this dude can really play. So 
that that's what's important to a lot of players, especially these days. And that's why KD and Kyrie signed off on this. They they probably chose him as their number one option. So, um, I, I mean, the dude can obviously he had a great career. He's a Hall of Famer. The players are going to respect him. It's not like he's going to get undermined, you, you know, by 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 the roster, by the team. So I think it's an interesting hire, not necessarily a great hire because he's never had a coaching experience, but you know his IQ matched up with his leadership and you know his just everything he carries his relationship with KD um i, I think i think it can be really you know a great fit uh you you said it Julio Kyrie and KD probably had you know all 20 of their fingers on this coaching hire like they probably not only just signed off on it but you know chose Steve Nash chose. to be their coach and obviously no one saw this name coming to take a head coaching spot, right? It wasn't reported anywhere. Um, so obviously it's surprising, but at the same time, it makes a hundred percent sense to me, um, considering what Steve Nash's relationship to KD was while he was on the Warriors training with him. Like he was like a close confidant, you know, like he instilled in him like a lot of, you know, um, uh, not only like basketball skills, he was teaching him things with like balance and like, you know, lowering the center of gravity on, on like basketball moves but also like, you know, having someone he could trust in the front office as a player consultant that he could go to. And we know how Kyrie and Katie does business in Brooklyn. Um, they're essentially running the show. Relationship, there. And, yeah. And they don't even really need like a coach for a coach's sake. They just need a player's guy. They just need someone they can trust um, to confide in, right? And that's what Steve Nash is to them. And and, and the thing about Steve Nash, he, he has a very open-minded I don't even want to say scheme because we've never seen his coaching scheme, but you, you can tell from just being with the Warriors and obviously playing with Mike D'Antoni, you know, in, in that whole, uh, sun system. I mean, you can, you can, you know, you can confidently say that, you know, whatever, whatever offensive sets or, you know, scheme he runs with the team, it's going to fit today's game and fit the players because he's going to communicate with them. Here's here's my thing, and obviously none of us saw this coming. It was one of those things you wake up and you saw it on your phone, like what the hell? But interesting, right? And I know there was. I'll get to this, um, but there were a lot of people that were, you know, disappointed in the fact that you had a lot of black coaches in the NBA, qualified coaches, and they ended up going with another dude. Um, you know, there's an argument to be made there. I'm not sure if this is the specific instance you want to you want to bring up that argument, but. I want to flip the question to y'all. What are the odds? I mean, I know you talked about how good of a basketball mind he is. Is he really even going to try to implement a system in there? Is there a system necessary for, for Kyrie and Kevin? Pro- Kevin I mean, pro- 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 probably not. And even if he does, it'll be very, very simplified. And it's going to – but the, the thing is, is that they don't really need a complex system. And, and it's just going to play to the strength, the strengths of, you know, their players. And that's Dinwiddie, Kyrie, KD, and – you know, everyone else, they, they have shooters, they have everything. So I think it's really not even going to be like a complex Popovich system. It'll just be, you know, you know, I don't want to say like street ball flow, but it's just going to flow. Uh, and I think it'll flow well. Yeah. And I mean, like what they really need is a coach who doesn't get in the way um, with the amount of talent they have on that team, along with, you know, a coach who can communicate between the players in the front office. So scheme wise, basketball wise, I mean, it would be cool if Steve Nash brings some of the stuff he's learned throughout his career because you know he's been in, like, great systems. But, 
you know, given the type of players Kyrie and KD are, and, you know, we saw how KD was, like, half buying in, half, like, not buying in with the Warriors, you know, it, it's probably better to just say, you know, let, let, let the talents be talented and, you know, let them ball. Yeah, it, it'll definitely be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, Tyron Lue also got hired, or is supposed to get hired to the 76ers. Uh, yeah, I mean... Cool, all right, I, moving on. I, 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 I really don't think that that's going to fix anything uh, hey. until they trade one of the two, yeah. Hey, I mean, may, who knows? Maybe he'll be the one to get Ben Simmons a jumper. Anyone? Any takers? <laughs> no. No? Okay. No. All right, um, then, let's move. go ahead and move yeah. on. To what occurred tonight, Julio, I think you kind of took a dub and an L tonight in a sense because the dub, we'll go ahead and start with the dub. Milwaukee goes down 0-3, 0-3 to today. That's crazy, man. That's crazy. I don't think anyone. It's not even, surprising. Okay, Julio, Julio. Even with, even with that, even with, even with your knowledge and the prediction, and I'll give you all the flowers you deserve for seeing this coming, did you really think that we'd be looking at a potential sweep here? Well, I said five games initially in that podcast. You said five, man. We got to get you your flowers, man. Did you really? Ooh. Yeah, I said five, and then you guys were like, nah, nah, get get him out of here. This dude's just going for the, you know, uh, 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 you know, just saying anything. And I, I said, oh, maybe six. But the first word that came out of my mouth was five. Man. We got to get you. Maybe you need to be the one to go coach Philly because you have to like you. You had to have some omnipotent like future sight. It's just it's really it, to me. It's really not difficult to see. Like, matter of fact, Leo can break this because you have a basketball mind. You played in college. You played in high school. You were a guy that was recruited. Break this down as best as you can for, you know, use me as the example as a guy who never played organized basketball past seventh grade. Break it down from a schematic and strategy standpoint, because honestly, I can't fathom the fact that, that this Milwaukee team can't even pull one win together right now. Yeah, I mean, it's because their whole offense is based, to, like, it, everything is based around Giannis. And the bodies they throw at him, whether it's Bam, Jay Crowder, or Iggy, I, I mean, the multitude of bodies that you can throw at him and just foul him and, and get physical with him uh, is just insane. So, when you when you neutralize him, since he's the center of the offense, uh, you neutralize the whole offense. And I I texted the group chat, Eddie, remind me what quarter did I what quarter ended when I was like that was a terrible possession by Giannis. It, I think it was he the just third. third yeah third quarter. He just can't. He has the inability to create like anything, like just outside of the paint. And he's so predictable with his moves, and it's just. It's a. I don't want to say it's a shame because obviously you know he's much more talented than than you know when when he first came into the NBA. But it really is kind of disappointing to me because I know how you know how much better he actually can be, and it's very frustrating to watch him play because there's so much more he can do, and he only does one thing, and it's very very frustrating because his skill. Th- this is why I. I think my my anger goes not to him, but to the voters and to social media and to everyone who hypes him up to be the best player in the world. You cannot be the best player in the world if you play like that. That's impossible. Uh, and I've been saying this since the beginning. Like, and people think it's you know too simple analysis. Like, when you get in the playoffs, when game slows down, you how does Jimmy Butler score more points than your entire 
team. That's why I say, and people call me crazy, Jimmy Butler is a better player than Giannis Antetokounmpo in the playoffs. It's It really is that simple. When you need a bucket, Giannis is not a guy who you can trust. It's really it's really that simple. Hey, man, really they might have called you crazy, but we'll ca- I have to go get you out of the insane asylum, man. I'm getting you out because clearly you were on to something. <laughs> Eddie, I want to flip you a question, man, because as much criticism as, as we could and should have for Giannis right now, there's another dude on that team who I know you are quite the fan of, but he's not showing up either, and that's Chris Middleton. Is there any veracity to the statement that Chris Middleton is not a clutch player at all? Can you at least give me that? Because he's not showing up at I all. Think, I think what he showed was that he doesn't have the presence of mind to be the closer um, that Milwaukee needs during um, those late-game situations because you have a clear flip side in Miami where you see Jimmy Butler, even if he's you know not making all his shots, he has a, a control of the pace of the game in the clutch that is very like like you can tell that he has a handle on the game situation and the thing with chris is i trust him to make any shot out of any move on almost any spot on the floor because his bag is incredibly deep and he's shown it like throughout his career that he can do that but um, what we saw in today's game was that Milwaukee was really spiraling out of control and they needed someone to just rein them in. And Chris should have been that guy because that's what he can do. And I don't know whether it's him or whether it's schematically, they were still trying to like run Giannis one on four, you know, like, like whatever was going on, it just wasn't happening. And, and, and the thing about it, wait, hold on. Let, uh-huh. let me just finish my point because it's disappointing that Chris had such a good game today for the most part, like on defense, he was really disrupting Jimmy Butler with active hands you know, like really, really defending him well. Offensively, he was doing like what he normally does. And for the most part in the series, like you can legitimately say that because Giannis is so ineffective, that Chris's ISO scoring skills is what is keeping them in the series. And that's crazy to say that an MVP like Giannis has been so ineffective that you need Chris to just barely hang in there um, by just being competent from the field. But um, yeah, unfortunately, no. Like he just hasn't shown up in, in the late moments that um, he shouldn't be put in that situation to, but still needs to if he doesn't want his team down 0-2. And the thing about Giannis uh, in particular, and I'm going to point the finger at him because you're the rightful leader, you're the MVP, you're the best player on the floor per se. His face, he looks so checked out. Like he not maybe not checked out, but he looks like he. He's looked at social media criticism and he's like crumbling under pressure. When, when you look at him, his, his face is just like, what am I going to do? Like, I'm going to get killed on social media. Like, I'm not playing enough minutes. I'm not guarding Jimmy Butler. Jesus oh, Christ, man. Are like, you, you extrapolated all that from his face? His face said all that? His face said, what am I going to do? <laughs> Jimmy Butler. The man looks so checked out. Like, I don't see the Giannis that I see in the regular season. Mm. And this is why I don't pay attention to that Giannis. The Giannis in the regular season or the Giannis that we saw against Orlando, ah, oh, he, he, you know, he's flexing, he's dunking on dudes, he's fierce. Like, like at least be Jimmy Butler and go to the basket every single time and, and try to get a foul. Oh, wait, you can't because your game doesn't let you. Like, it, it, it really is that simple. And it's disappointing that his game is like that because he can be so much better. He can be – he can – and to people that like, he's not even close 
to his potential. Well, here's what he can be. I will say this about Giannis, and it's clear. And I was a person that thought he'd adapted his game to at least get to the point that he'd be functionable in these situations. That's clearly not the case. But what we can't say about Giannis is that he hasn't come back each and every single year with another thing on his game and another thing in his bag in some way that he's evolved his game. So while he's not there right now, I do have faith that he's going to get there at some point in his career. I do. Well, actually, I was going to throw this at you, Reagan, because mm-hmm. everyone made a big deal out of that last offseason, right? Like Giannis was was going to come back this year bigger and badder and stronger and, and with more things in his bag. Mm-hmm. But have we seen it? He right? got better at the things that he was already good at, which is great. But I, I think it's it made abundantly clear now that he has to get things at better at the things that he's not good at. And it doesn't take a, a basketball head. It doesn't take a... Uh, uh, a freaking genius to see that, right? You can see that. I can see that. Anyone who knows anything about basketball can say, okay, he needs to learn how to create for himself in a way that's not just ramming his way to the rim. So, you know, I it, it would be beyond me, and I, I almost wonder if it's a product of his coach, right? Because it, it, it all starts from the top, and the coach clearly isn't willing to change, but doesn't change anything mid-game. I'm wondering if that sort of mentality disseminates throughout the team. It's like, okay, I'm just work on what I'm good at and keep excelling at that. But Giannis, he's smarter than that, man. There's no way that he doesn't come back at some point in his career adding these things to his game. I, I, I refuse to yeah. believe that a guy that works as hard as he does won't do it. <laughs> And I told Eddie this too. It's like that's a fireable offense to me to to be playing Giannis twenty eight minutes midway through the fourth quarter. I'm gonna fire you if you're if you're doing that with our best player. Now he might he might have been hurt this game, but this isn't the first game that he. This has been happening all season. When I it was I mean this this was the exact reason how they lost on um, game four five and six last year against Toronto was resting I mean, them in the middle of the fourth quarter and letting them come back during that time. It's embarrassing. That that's actually like an, a, a fireable offense. And, and Giannis only needs three things. And, and it's it might seem you know it's easier said than done, obviously. But all he needs is a consistent three point set shot, only a set shot. He needs a a consistent off the dribble, obviously, because you don't you know do catch and shoot mid range. He needs an off the dribble mid range shot Tell and a consistent Bradley. handle on the and a consistent handle on the ball. He doesn't have a good handle, and Ooh, anybody who tells you that he does, sure? okay. does he, not have a good handle. He, has, he doesn't. He doesn't. Mm, okay, well, define good handle, like Kyrie esque handle. He doesn't have that. No, but for but for somebody who's primarily going to be going up against people that are six ten plus, his handle's functional to get him by those dudes. I yeah, I wouldn't say it's that he has crazy. a bad it, handle at all. Maybe maybe, maybe 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 what I see. My bad. I just I just want to throw this in there because I, I don't want to dunk on Giannis more than he's being dunked on right now on, you know, the whole Twitter sphere. But the truth is, you know, like his size and his athleticism and his strength and all those physical traits can only get you so far. And then you have the separator skills because, again, basketball is a game of athleticism, but it's also a game of skill, right? It's like that, that that's kind of the nature of sport. Creation and, and imagination. That those – um that those basketball skills are just not there. The handle is too loose where it can be poked away. The the passing ability, like he only creates those passes because he draws in defenses, but his reads are always a split second behind. And it was still a split second behind last year. And you think that that was something he could get better at going from last year to this year, but he's still not making those advanced reads that he needs to. That's, um, that's like, where I think like the biggest improvement things, is. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's just that all of those things are areas where he needs to um, improve. If, if this is how they're going to use him, like as a kind of a lead player, but and, to me, I still think there's ways to scheme him to make him essentially yes, so and, much and, more effective. You, mm-hmm. you made a good point today that you told me uh, putting Giannis at the free throw line can be so like super effective because then he doesn't have to use his very predictable right to left crossover hesitation one dribble spin dunk all he has to do is dribble one way and, and maybe pass it out or because then you know from the from the free throw line he can actually bully his way through and, and maybe you know perhaps get a foul call and he's close enough to get a shot off but i was watching the game and he was one step off the free throw line he decides to shoot it and reggie miller was like oh he wasn't on the free throw line he was one step off the free throw line that's a big difference for Giannis essentially he can't shoot past you know 15 feet which is very true uh so he needs to work on that game uh like a not not so much of a fadeaway but you know how KD and AD you know they can get at the elbow in in the mid post area Mm -hmm. turn around and and, you know hit a hit a quick jumper that's what he needs at the very literally get a face-up jumper because who's going to be able to challenge it at that length Right, like exactly. Nobody. Exactly. All right, y'all. I hate to nip this in the bud, but I, I, I think we got to move on. We're coming up on twenty minutes here, and we still have a lot more to discuss. So we will definitely be talking more Giannis in the future. But I want to talk about the other game that occurred today: Houston Rockets versus Los Angeles Lakers. That's the L you took today, Julio. That's the L we took today. That's the L yeah, that all of us Lakers fans took today. How are we feeling about it? Yeah. I mean, not that I'm cool about it, but. Uh, I don't know. I, I kind of expected Russell Westbrook to be playing hard and playing well, especially after two two or three duds. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, I'm not too worried about it. It's just that, it, again, it frustrates me that LeBron and AD, uh, I, I don't want to call them soft, but they're, you know, to me they kind of play the soft. Especially, you know, LeBron, how do you get zero points in the fourth quarter? Mm. You, that can't happen, bro. I, I mean, I – I don't. I don't care if your teammates had it going all night. I mean, you cannot be scoring zero points in the fourth quarter. And AD, uh, even though he had like what six, seven, eight points. I mean, bro, you're not. You have to play bully ball. Like, get your butt. I, I say this a lot, but get your butt on the block and do something. You have PJ Tucker, and I know he's strong, but you're so much taller than him. That's. What, I mean, it, that's why I feel like his greatest asset in this series would be shooting over top of him. I don't think that AD's backing P.J. Tucker down. I don't. I don't, I don't think no, so. I, I don't even think he should back him down, but just post him up and you can face up and, and shoot. Mm-hmm. And JaVale McGee, uh, I, I, I actually like JaVale McGee, um, and he's played well you know, throughout the two seasons that he's been with us. But today he was atrocious. Mi- you know, missing you know, passes left and right from LeBron. LeBron, you know, that's another thing. He had... Yeah, I don't know how many turnovers he had, but it was an insane amount. LeBron had. Um, Danny Green shot the ball fine, but yeah, it's mainly on LeBron and AD. It, it was you only four turnovers from Bron today. I mean, that's not like an insane amount, but it probably felt worse than it was. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I just thought they played soft. They my, played soft. Though. My biggest beef, man, and I, I, I think deep down in all of our hearts, we knew this would happen, but like I didn't want to believe it. Excuse my French, y'all. Why the fuck? Why in the fuck is Rondo playing 25 minutes, bro? 25 minutes. 
in a yeah, playoff how series. Who believed in playoff Rondo? Oh my God! I, who believed in playoff Rondo? I swear you've been saying playoff. I said Rondo I've been hoping season. for playoff Rondo. If he comes back and plays, I'd be glad to have playoff Rondo. Not once did I ever believe in playoff Rondo. Don't I, no. But even no. Even if you want to, even if you want to play him, it's like it's his first game back. Bro. Twenty-five minutes. Play him ten. Three for nine from the the field, two of five from three, four turnovers, negative 10 plus minus. He was shit. Terrible defense. Terrible defense. He was bad. He was really bad. Give me Deion Waiters minutes before you give me Rondo minutes, man. I'm so sad. I'm like out on the dude. And I I think Rondo was a hell of a player in his prime, but that that time is coming gone, man. That time is coming gone. That's what really got me about today. But... Don't put the loss on him. I'm not putting it on him. I'm just like, that was one of those things that was irking me because I I feel like, and again, Kuzma, that's a dude that's been stepping up a lot for me. Oh, my God. Don't even get me started on him. He's he's atrocious. Like, he's actually, like, unplayable right now. Kuzma? J.R. Smith. Kuzma. Kuzma played horrible. Today, but I feel like throughout the bubble, he's been playing extremely well. Yes. Yeah, yeah. He's been playing fine, but, like, like... I'm like gonna say today he was, he's unplayable. You only have two two guys left. I'm like, shoot, what are we just gonna I go? Know. AD and Braun versus the world. <laughs> Danny Green is unplayable. Well, I, JaVale's unplayable. Caldwell Pope is unplayable. I don't want none of them. No. They, um, it, but it's it's on LeBron and AD. I mean, this was my fear. No this was my fear the entire time. Is that at some point or another. These role players were going to come back and, and, and bite us in the ass. That was my fear, and I wasn't sure. And there were flashes of, of greatness in the in the season and in the bubble and moments. But when you have a bunch of dudes who are inconsistent and you don't have, I would give me two reliable dudes over five dudes who I don't know what you're going to look like from game to game. And that's what the Lakers have right now. You'll have some amazing Dwight games and you'll have some awful white Dwight games you'll have some amazing JaVale games some awful JaVale games same with KCP same with Kuzma you'll just have straight awful games from Rondo but it's like when you have a bunch of those dudes who are so volatile and you never know what you're going to get from them you're going to have moments like this where like you know LeBron had 20 points eight rebounds seven assists you know he didn't shoot bad from the field shot pretty bad from three point but it's like this loss is on LeBron and AD not playing like the two best players in the league. That's the yes. only reason. Like, and, that, yes. and if that's what it's going to take, then that's asking a lot of those dudes for that's, for the entirety of these playoffs. That's asking a lot. That's I mean, what, I'm, to be fair, what, every night in and night out. What what I don't want to hear is you know the media crushing these uh, the the role players. What do you expect, LeBron? You have to you have to step up. AD, step up. There's no excuse. Step up. I I don't know if that's fair, man. I don't know if that's fair to like. I mean, the the team you you have nine dudes playing minutes. It's fair to at least you play like decent basketball in those nine minutes. You got to give me something. So, Skip Bayless actually said something very you know interesting a few weeks ago where he said AD plays insane, like super super great, outstanding every like three four games. And then he checks out for like two, three, four games. And then all of a sudden he scores like 50 and 20, which I watched almost every Laker game all season. And that's exactly AD. Sometimes he checks out. Sometimes he's super engaged and, you know, he's going to the hole early. But sometimes he's shooting too many jumpers. But when he's attacking, 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 
getting offensive rebounds, playing inside. And I don't want to sound like an old school, you know, an old head, but that's that's what it, that's what it's going to take. That's what it's going to take. Julio, come to terms with it, man. You're an old head. It's cool. It's all right. It's, it's fine. <laughs> You're an old head. I know. I know. This episode is probably going to go past our, you know, desired time. But allow me to have the spotlight. The floor is yours, a little bit. Because Julio, if your series that you kind of hinged your entire like basketball persona on was Miami Milwaukee, I'm maybe I'm not going that far with this series. But I do want to say that I did put into one of our group chats that I did have Houston in seven. And they're not going to win. And, and it's not just that, like, I predicted Houston 7, but it's that this series is so fun. Like, I, I feel like this series is going to be, like, one of my favorites all time. Just because there's going to be such a fun chess match going on. And there's so many different, um, like, pieces, like, coaches can throw at one another and matchups. And, you know, like, went to double, you know, like, all, all sorts of things. But I think if you're the Lakers right now, you have to be really concerned. Because it would be one thing if Houston went crazy from three like it'd be one thing if Houston made like 50 percent of their threes but they were you know just about team average today 35 percent so you can't really say you know this was just like a fluky loss right like Houston just made all the shots it wasn't that it was clear that the Lakers don't have any resistance to James Harden at all Danny Green and KCP are not going to be able to contain James Harden it's Braun man it is LeBron James dude I don't I I can't go ahead go ahead Flip side, if you're um, if you're um, James Harden and you just came off the series where Lou Dort was guarding you, right, for seven games, it must feel like you just mm-hmm. entered, like, Nirvana. Like, he just looked so springy, so bouncy today. And that's just dangerous. He was carving up everyone in front of him. It was, I mean, it was just magnificent. And then, like, Russell Westbrook, I mean, there were some times where he looked kind of, you don't know, like he's doing some goofy stuff. But, you know, when he kind of minimizes his role as a cutter, um, as a guy who can take advantage when they double-team James Harden, you know, like rolling hard to the rim, that becomes really dangerous as well. And then you just have P.J. Tucker, who is, you know, who guards AD better than any other player in the league. I mean, you can go by the numbers and you can go by the eye test. It, it, I mean, that that's just how it looks. And then um, they put Eric Gordon on LeBron, which everyone clowned on at the beginning, which I didn't get because you know Houston switches everything. And then they put Robert Covington on the help side. And... Covington looked like a totally different animal today. Um, you know, active hands, getting in passing lanes, poking ball free, like everything. He had, I think, four steals today. I mean, I don't know. This is obviously a huge overreaction from one game. But Houston looks more than equipped to take this series. And it's going to take Frank Vogel making major adjustments in game two to get that game back. And for one, I think he should start AD on Harden on defense. Mm. And that, that's just that's that's just my thing. I think I think that's what it's going to take. And if you play a two big lineup, or if you play another, uh, I mean, even if you don't play another two big lineup, you just have to have AD on Harden because he has the length and the you know quickness to contain on perimeter and have the help side defender in case you know he blows by. But my, my only, I don't know. I, I'm just super excited for this series. My only I, I concern with the idea of, and that's not a bad idea, is to put AD on Harden because he is the best defender that you have. But I get worried about the fouls because we know how Harden is and we know how apt he is at drawing fouls. And I, that's the last thing I want is AD in foul trouble. That's the last thing I, I think that this team would need. Julio, you shook your head at that, man. You look like you got something to say. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. He would just blow by. And I know AD has the length to 
potentially recovering. Obviously, you know, we can have JaVale down there, but I, I don't know. I, I just feel like you have to double the man. You just have to double him. I mean, when, when you double him, you start getting killed because that dude sees the floor as well as anyone in the league, and I'm not willing to give up those shoot the, the shots. Here's an idea, and this would take pulling JaVale McGee out of the starting lineup. You keep AD at the rim. What about my boy Kuzma, man? He's been playing some damn good defense in the bubble. Damn good defense in the bubble. Well, he, he has the length. Harden today. He said what? He got cooked by Harden today. Well, everyone and their mother's going to get cooked by Harden at some point. But if there's a dude on the team that I think schematically and physically makes sense to guard Harden, it's Kyle Kuzma. If it's not LeBron James, because God forbid LeBron James guards the best player on the court. But um, if it's not going to be LeBron, I think Kuzma's our best bet. I don't trust Danny Green at this point to do a whole lot. <laughs> I mean, Danny Green can't even make a shot. I, why? What is it about Lakers teams, man? Why, why do people just forget their three at their last yeah, destination? It's, it's so bad. Frustrating. It's bad, dude. It's so frustrating. But, yeah, we're already past the elsewhere. Then when they go elsewhere again, they can start start turning again. up. Yeah, all right, man. We're past our thirty-one Makes minute. No sense. We're past our thirty-one minute mark, but I know we do have two series that we still have to cover. So why don't we do quick hits for the Toronto um, Celtics series, and then for the uh, the Nuggets Clippers series, uh, starting with the Clippers. What were initials reactions from from that game one? That ass whooping. Uh, yeah. Uh, the biggest and frankly only takeaway that you know, I have from this series is that I feel, I feel like at the beginning of the season, I said that Kawhi Leonard was the best player in the NBA. And I just feel so affirmed by this playoffs. I mean, the man, there was a stat. He's shooting, I think 86% from 10 to 15 feet. He's unstoppable in the mid range right now. And there is no one, Probably in the NBA that can that can stop him. Tell me another player that's better than him. Both of you guys. Who who do you think is better than him right now? Are we going off in, in general or off recency bias? Just the best player in the NBA. I'm like, still handing the aliens LeBron James. I, I am. I'm handing him LeBron. I mean, I'd still take a healthy KD. I mean, we we, we went over this. I, like, you know, given team constructs, I'd still take Harden. But, but why? My my issue is that why is no one talking about Kawhi? Like, he's he's literally averaging like 33, 32 points a game in I mean, this playoffs. Kawhi like, is not a dude right now. Kawhi is not a dude that people talk about until you know he reaches the pinnacle or until he takes somebody else out. Right? That's just the nature of Kawhi Leonard as a dude. He doesn't draw attention. Right, he just goes out there and drops thirty on fifty percent shooting, and goes home. So we're we're not going to talk about Kawhi Leonard just by nature of Kawhi Leonard the person. But um, I, I mean, honestly, if we're, like I, if we're going off recency my, my, bias, you have an argument there, man. I can't even cap. I I guess my only my, my only beef is that you know people love to talk about James and Giannis and Braun, but Kawhi is literally the only one that's consistently killing every single game. He's unstoppable right now. Eddie, I want to hear your thoughts I mean, on I, the – oh, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, like, Denver has a better shot than I think a lot of people gave him for the series. But if they're just going to decide um, not to defend at all, like they did in game one, um, they did for, like, the first quarter and a half, and I think the legs got to them. But also, Jokic and, – and Draymond actually broke this down beautifully on yes. the and Shout out to Draymond for being, like, the best NBA analyst out there right now. 
that if Jokic is not even going to, like, make rotations, like, not even try to make rotations, like, there's just no point in even trying to compete. But um, I do think that Denver can try to remedy this by playing a two-big lineup, by starting Jokic and Plumlee together, because Plumlee offers some rim protection for them, and you still have enough versatility on offense to hope, hopefully, you know, that it won't get too clunky. But, um, again, I think if Denver puts in an effort, the Clippers are sometimes vulnerable in pick-and-roll defense. Denver is great at running the pick-and-roll. Um, you know, they have, like, perimeter weapons that can match up strength with Kawhi, even though if Kawhi's still going to, you know, probably get his buckets, at least you make it harder on him. Like, matchup-wise, there are ways that if Denver really gets engaged, um, they have a chance. But the, if they're the, not going to try, le- like, there's the no length- talking about it. The length on Jamal Murray, and I know it might have been his legs too, but the length really, really bothered him. He can't get the same layups. He can't get the same fadeaways. He can't get the same anything passes really. Oh like, yeah, I mean, I don't. I, I, say, I don't think you can uh, count on Jamal Murray to go crazy in ISO ball. But again, if you if you start running more like screen actions on ball off ball screens, uh, you can start cooking up this Clippers defense a little bit. Hey, they hate don't to, have very switchy defenders. Hate to cut y'all off, man, but we're coming up on 35. So I'm going to go ahead and go on to this Celtics-Raptors series. What were initial reactions after – or not initial reactions, but reactions after that. <sighs> Game three, man. That's so, so, so tough. That's such a tough way to lose. Because I feel like if, if the Raptors end up so, winning, yeah. and, and this is going to be the turning point, because this would have been an up 3-0 off of, off of OG Anunoby, Ananobi – three-point shot that's the shot that you give up that was heavily contested by Jalen Brown they couldn't have given up a better shot than that it just is what it is why would you play a two three why would you play a two three what do you think they should have won man I was gonna ask wait what'd you say what'd you say I was gonna ask you about that Julio like what what would you like draw up there on defense uh anything but a three I, I mean that that's like, would you rather lose or go to overtime? That that's literally like, like, and if you're gonna play a zone, fine, play a three-two zone. You don't play a two-three zone. You play a three-two zone. Everybody's out on the perimeter. If you play a two-three, a, a two-three zone, you're vulnerable on the wings at the top, maybe in the corners. If if the, the defense corners, shifts right? up, or yeah, or in the or if the defense shifts towards the middle, if you have a guy in the middle, and that's what they did. They set a screen. They set a back screen for for. Uh, OG, but if you're gonna play a zone, you play a, a three-two zone. You don't play a two-three zone. But you don't even play a zone, in my opinion. You play man-to-man. But I mean, he's the coach. I, I, I do feel like I, I feel you um, on not running a, a, a two-three and running a three-two. However, I'm not sure I would have went ran, man in that situation just because I feel like they would have screened the hell out of you and got somebody open. You man, know what I mean? sw- man is that. But that's what you do. You you man and switch everything in those situations. Switch everything. But I think I think what Stevens wanted to prevent was like getting um I forget if Kemba was in the game then, um, but like switching like Pascal and Kemba at the rim, then all you have to do is seal and tap it, you know, like tapping a shot or something like that. But I mean the truth is the, the the probability of making any shot with half a second to go on the clock is like so small that sometimes you can only just chalk it up to, you know, like shit happens, right? It was literally and, like I mean, the pass had to be perfect. You brought this up while we were watching yeah. it, Eddie. The pass the, the had to pass be perfect. Nice. OG That's had to like nice. get it in, like get it into a shooting rhythm. He had to get it over Jalen Brown's outstretched hand, which damn near blocked the shot. It was just the perfect play, man. It was one of those instances where it, it just happened. It, it was the perfect play. And I, the thing that I think upsets me is that 
Toronto should have lost that game. Their last they buckets, should've. they had zero offense. They had zero offense going. And, you know, they were staying in the game by, you know, a lucky Fred Van Vliet, you know, layup. Uh, 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 Pascal Siakam was playing atrocious. And, man, was getting locked up by Jalen Brown, was getting blocked with – he was arguing to the refs like, no, that's not a foul. You're not an elite player to be asking for calls like that. Dang. Stop. Basketball Stop. elitism. Playing, wow. Love to see it. it they, <laughs> they were playing terrible, and Boston should have won the game. And, and what wow. Eddie said, it's... Boston should have won solely off of that Kemba Walker assist. How how insane was that, bro? The presence of mind that you have to have to pull that off, to drive the middle, go back, look off, and then dish. That was just, that was one, That would have been the most incredible I, play of the I, bubble to me. What I love about Kemba Walker in that situation that's not going to get highlighted is patience. Mm. Patience how? Patience by not automatically uh, uh, swinging the ball to Marcus Smart when he was doubled. Yeah. Marcus Smart for five to six seconds. Hey, I'm open. I'm open. I'm open. I wouldn't have thrown in the ball either. The whole time I was like, don't throw him the ball. Please don't throw him the ball. Please don't throw him the ball. This dude thinks he's Clay Thompson right now. Just because last game he had he hit five three points in a row. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. And then just on time, he looked over. He looked to Marcus Smart and gave a perfect pass. But I, that you know the patience that Kemba had on, on that play was insane. It was insane. It's a beautiful play, man. It was a beautiful play. Yeah. Um, I, mean, I do want to mention that yeah. everyone will probably bring up right those last two plays, and, and deservedly so, but Boston probably lost the game because they played Enos Cantor for like a six-minute stretch in the third quarter. <laughs> for what reason? I don't know why. I think Steve Brad Stevens wanted to break up the Toronto like zone they were running, but Toronto was just attacking him on defense in the pick and roll every time, which is what you should do with Enos Cantor, and getting a bucket every time. And it allowed Toronto to get a rhythm again because after that, players started making shots, um, shooting and making shots. You know, their offense looked a lot better. And now it's a series, which is cool because I thought this should have been like an even series to begin with. And if Toronto has more confidence under them and their players, you know, start uh, making plays with conviction, um, I still won't be surprised if this series goes the distance. Mm. Before we get out of here, man, because we're already past 10 minutes past our mark, so screw it. I did want to bring up Montrez Harrell winning the sixth man of the year. Thoughts on it? That, that was kind of odd to me. But uh, what, what are you guys' thoughts? It feels a little bit like, I think whoever you're muted, but I'll go anyways. Yeah, it, feel, it feels a little bit like whoever Montrez's agent is probably did a little bit of like, you know, hey, by the way, like uh, consider, you know. Tinfoil hat, man. Tinfoil hat. <laughs> no, I mean that this this is how the business works. Montrez no, no one's no one's telling anyone to vote. I, I I refuse to believe that agents are are sliding money under the table I mean, to voters. No, 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 not sliding money, but like literally just being like, hey, you know what I mean? Like, yo, by the way, like that that's the nature of this business, right? Like, you have a little like. I mean, there's no like under the table money. I'm not saying there's anything. Like I mean, that even going then, on. though, I I don't know. I I don't think that's the case. I don't feel like that's the case. What about you, Julio? I mean. Yeah, I mean, no, he, no, I'm sorry. I just wanted to say this, but like you have two six man candidates on the same team. How do you get so many voters to just agree that one person on that team is better than the other? I just don't like the way that like, the voting system works because you get certain points for first. And I didn't see how it played out. Did he get the most first place votes? I honestly didn't see either. But yeah, it just I, I, like, I, caught me way off. Guard. I'm almost willing to bet that it played out that either Schroeder or Lou Williams got the most first-place votes, but because Montrez got hella second-place votes, that's why he won. Don't hold me to that. I want to look at it first. Um, Hula, you go ahead and give me your thoughts, but I'm willing to bet that's how it played out. 
maybe I'll, I'll like I I'd agree by a slight margin or by by a good margin at that that maybe Schroeder deserved it more than Montrez. But I mean Montrez averaged twenty during the season. So, Bro, I mean, he gets his I mean, buckets man- in garbage time. He gets his buckets when the Clippers are up 20, and he goes out and he yells for the last five minutes of the game and scores like man, 10. I, I don't know about that. Like, he I was, swear he was, to you, you, every Clippers game that you no, watch no, that's no, a no, blowout, was, Montrez Harrell is scoring 10 points in the fourth quarter. Guaranteed. So you're telling me Montrez doesn't do anything, doesn't do shit during like the... the I mean, I'm not the, saying he doesn't do anything, actual, but like, like when, when, you, when you look at those 19 points a game, I feel like... 13 to 14 of those matter in the in the last like averaging five garbage time points that really didn't matter and that inflates your numbers a lot even when we were playing fantasy basketball man it'd be games where it's like oh, i'm playing against montrez on eli's team right and i'm like oh cool he's not having that great of a game and then in the fourth quarter in the blah it's like oh he just went from 12 fantasy points to 25 fantasy points dude like montrez does not i'm not trying to knock him as a player but there's a pat, there's a clear pattern in him scoring in garbage time. You see it when we watch the Clippers game, Eddie. He does it a lot. Shoot, I, I don't know I about that. Like, I think I, I think he's a really good player, and I do too. He, I'm he not I'm not denying really the like talent, but I think Clippers. that the points are, are are somewhat inflated. If Montrez unlocked the uh, like a pick and roll like mid range shot, that'd be dangerous. That'd be dangerous. I mean, but again, I don't know because Montrez is the is the free agent after this year, and, and I mean, all reports has been he's looking for the biggest deal possible. Come to the Lakers. No, no, no. I don't want Montrez. <laughs> I don't want Montrez, bro. Like, uh, I mean, again, respect to Montrez as a player, bro. But I don't know. Something wrongs me, rubs me the wrong way, because this is not my vibe about just talking trash when you're already on top. You know what I mean? Like, when, when you're already stamping out somebody, that's not the time to be talking trash, man. Talk trash when it's close. Talk trash when you're starting out. Keep the energy consistent throughout the entirety of the game. Don't just come in in the fourth quarter with five minutes left when you've already won the thing and then start, like, kicking people while they're down, man. I don't know. I just never I never mess with that vibe. That's just me, though. That's just me. Um, All right, guys. Good job on the time today. 45 minutes, but... <laughs> You know, that's what happens when you're talking good basketball, man. A lot of good takes today, a lot of good insight, especially from you, you, Julio. That was a lot of good insight from a basketball perspective today. But that'll do it for this episode of Hoop and Holler. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. As always, go follow SQR1 for a, a Square One experience, SQR1 Hoops on Instagram and Twitter for a specific Hoop and Holler experience. Really, we haven't been keeping up our, on our word on that, so we, we should probably try to be a little bit better in terms of actually posting on the social media. But you should follow it anyway, out of the goodness of your heart. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We'll see you next week. This has been the Hoop and Holler Podcast.